2: cast the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today it's Viva Colonia, as Elvis leaves the building, or the Borussia Park Stadium rather, with Gladbach's corner flag and three points in the Lower Rhine Derby. Things are just as bad for the other Borussia. Dortmund lose again, this time at Freiburg. We wonder, are they adding for the Europa League? We will also bring you news of a big win for Bayer Leverkusen and explain how Bayern Munich came in for some capital punishment, courtesy of an evil conspiracy, or perhaps just good old German punctuality. All of this, and more, in Stahlkast. Hello, dear listener, and hello, Christoph Biermann, who's battled heavy snowfall in Berlin to be with us today but before we start a quick reminder that you can read all the athletics fine football content for just £3.99 at the moment go to theathletic.com Pod to sign up so christoph apart from the scandal of a berlin airport not working to time <laughs> or was it bion's fault we will find out soon What was the biggest
1: moment for you this weekend or the biggest story? Elvis lives, mm, probably, at least in Cologne, giving them a a victory in in the local derby at Mönchengladbach. Uh, Something rarely happens. Um, A very good Hertha against a bit better Bayern team and... Dortmund's problems again. Wolfsburg rolling, Frankfurt rolling, Union Berlin not rolling anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I jinxed them. Yeah, and the outrage of Bayern at the Berlin airport because they were four minutes late uh, to get their uh, flight to to Doha. That created a lot of outrage and um, a lot of fun. Uh, among others.
2: A big conspiracy theory. they're being mooted as well. But we're going to go into that a little bit later. I think, um, having listened to you intently, that the biggest (laughs) story of the weekend has to be, unfortunately, and we've been here before, Borussia Dortmund losing yet another game that perhaps they should have won. This is the eighth defeat, 2-1 away to Freiburg. They're now in sixth place. They've nearly won as many games as they've lost. The gap between them and the top four is now four points. And to make matters worse, they probably got one of the worst draws in the day of Carl. They'll be up against future manager, question mark, Marco Rose <laughs> and his Borussia Mönchengladbach in the quarterfinals of the Cup next month. Christoph, we used to blame Lucien Favre He can no longer be accused You did that. (laughs) Yes, me, yes. This is the royal we. This is the wheel of the Strahlkast. Uh, Okay. He's no longer there. Question is, if we were to do this podcast in German, I would say to you, I would ask you, are we jenseits von Eden? (laughs) 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 Sorry, listeners. This is very difficult to, to translate. It's a play on words on Eden Tersich. And the question is is he already running out of time, even though he's only supposed to be there until the end of the season?
1: I will plead not guilty, Your Honor, uh, because... You're the
2: one who's accused.
1: Maybe as a defendant of Edin Terzic and even the uh, parts of the uh, Borussia Dortmund team... Because I think I mean I mean I'm a, I'm a big advocate on on looking at this. are teams uh, lucky or unlucky are they uh, are their uh, uh, games jinxed a bit or, or what's going on and if you look at recent performances from Borussia Dortmund where they have been losing we we sometimes not in all cases but especially in Freiburg it's a it's a game you normally don't lose because uh, Freiburg created not much and were rewarded with uh, two goals uh, from long-distance shots where uh, on the other uh, side of the pitch, uh, Borussia Dortmund was not able to convert good, good chances. And uh, I think we have to talk about Marvin Hitz, the goalkeeper, because uh, surely... Uh, The second goal was his fault, uh, maybe the first one as well. And so, uh, although Borussia Dortmund played okay, and and some of the players said so, and and I I think they rightly said so, they got a defeat where they could partly blame their goalkeeper, and uh, partly also a bit of case of bad luck and and we have seen that for example when they were playing at Borussia Mönchengladbach a, a fantastic match uh, to watch partly also when they were losing in Leverkusen i wouldn't say it's it's uh, um they are just under a bad spell um they they have a lot of problems and i think we will talk about them but i i would like everybody to take a look at, at uh, this aspect as well uh, because I think it's um, a bit distorting the perception of uh, Borussia Dortmund right now.
2: Well, the stats would bear you out, Christoph. I just look at the had a look at the XG for the game. Dortmund 1.5, Freiburg 0.2, which shows you that um, perhaps those goals could have been avoidable. Now, certainly the one with hits at the post, I think, was was never a goal, really. Having said that, these are issues that are recurring. We see Dortmund starting slowly again. We see a 16-year-old uh, Yusufa Mukuku coming in and having more shots on goal than the combined team in the previous 60 minutes. And we see even Dortmund themselves questioning, between the lines at least, the attitude of the captain, Marco Royce, who was substituted and reacted very angrily there is a sense for everything that you have said that there is a kind of a tension and and a team that's not really gelling very well would that be fair yeah
1: i think uh, that's uh, absolutely true that you have supposed leaders in the team that are not actually leading as long as it if we talk about the performance i mean marco royce is the the team captain. We know that he can be a fantastic player, uh, but he isn't this fantastic player uh, this season so far, or only in very rare moments. You don't uh, have the impression that he is uh, working for the team. You have Emre Chan who is uh, always behaving like a leader so shouting around a lot looking angrily and so but but if you if if you look at his performance not especially in Freiburg he, he was playing on the right hand side uh, a bit out of uh, position for him but is he really one of the backbones uh, of the of the Borussia team uh, i don't think so axel witzel is is out because of injury i think uh, Mats Hummels has a decent season so far But the idea that you have a core of experienced players on the one one side and on the other side, you have uh, young talents uh, that whirl around them. Yeah, it's, it's actually not working very well and I would rather blame uh, the experienced players.
2: And it seems to be the the way that this is taken. I saw some references to the team composition being questioned internally, that they've moved beyond pointing the finger of blame at the coach or coaches and um, have perhaps belatedly realised that there is an issue there. And I think I I completely agree with you where I think we can blame Dortmund as a club, a club who's been sensational in their transfer dealings by and large over the last nearly 10 years now, is that whenever they've tried to bolster the squad with experience, with someone who isn't 19, 20 and making the next step, but someone who's already supposed to be in a position where they're very consistent, where they are... Charismatic in the dressing room where they can make a difference. Those players don't seem to have worked out. Uh, Emre Amrit mm-hmm. Chan, you mentioned so far, I think he's struggling to, to assert his authority. Julian Brandt has completely lost his way. Mordahood is now at the age who at the age where you'd expect him to take charge is not really making any progress. And even someone like Thomas Mounier, who's very experienced and and pretty solid, hasn't really helped the team to get to another level if anything I think what you lost by Hakimi leaving for all his problems defensively you didn't necessarily gain instability from from Mounier so there seems to be an issue of having this core of players who you can always depend on.
1: It's interesting how, how um, Terzic uh, will will handle the situation. I found it interesting that he took off Reus because uh, Reus is a kind of player who feels insulted if things like that happen. Maybe uh, to survive at Borussia Dortmund he has to kill in inverted commas uh, uh, one of the big players that is not, not performing very well and maybe uh, that Will be Marco Reus. We will see in the days and weeks to come. I think it's uh, probably the only chance that he has to maybe also gain authority uh, with the team, but uh, there are a lot of problems that maybe are too, uh, too big to solve for a coach uh, without that much experience, especially in working uh, with star players. And um, so that could be very difficult. But on on the other side, uh, still, I I think um, there is a fair chance that uh, the pendulum swings um, in the other direction, uh, when you look at the what, what we've been talking around about bad luck and so on, and I think if you if you look at now a competitor of Borussia Dortmund, uh, Eintracht Frankfurt is a very good example uh, because at the beginning of the season, when they had so many draws, unlucky draws uh, pretty often, uh, they looked like lost in the. Wilderness of the uh, mid-table, and and now um, they are a, a real contender for the for the Champions League uh, places, and uh, and maybe uh, things uh, develop in favor of Borussia Dortmund uh, also.
2: Yeah, maybe Dortmund can be the next Frankfurt, but the, <laughs> the, the worry is that they will be the next Frankfurt in the sense that they miss out on the Champions League as yeah,
1: Frankfurt and that, did, and that would be a, a, a disaster uh, for Borussia. Dortmund, It would be uh, in a way that would have a similar impact as if, uh, say, let's say, Cologne would, uh, would be relegated because um, the financial loss um, for, for a club of, of, the, of the size of Borussia Dortmund is um, uh, terrible, uh, especially in the situation we're we having right now.
2: What would it mean in in concrete terms? Would it mean having to sell not just Sancho, but maybe even Haaland? Would it mean having to change the squad composition, getting rid of some of those established players that you can no longer afford? Uh, what would be the, the practical outcome? I,
1: I think they would be uh, forced to, to, to sell one of their uh, star players, wh- whoever that is, uh, and and most likely Haaland or, or or Sancho. And then you have smaller means uh, to yeah renovate your your squad and 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 change the uh, the problems um, and alter uh, change the situation, change the team and 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 so on. Uh, you can can't do it from a position of strength but um from weakness and um yeah it uh, for for Borussia it, it's it's a bit uh, standing at the crossroads right now and I think there are a lot of concerns at um, at the club right now
0: this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You
2: mentioned Frankfurt. Uh, They had another pretty convincing win with a fantastic Philip Kostic uh, chipping in with the goal. Uh, He's looked a new player, or maybe his old self again. Uh, for the last few games, and a lot of it is down to perhaps the return of his friend, uh, Luka Jovic. Uh, Jovic not on the score sheet this time, but Frankfurt. Just on a good run, or do we need to take them very seriously as a, as a real contender?
1: Yeah, surely. I, I always uh, like to uh, to see them play. I, I like the tough attitude, the muscular attitude that Adi Hütter um, tends to bring into his team. Sometimes it was a bit too much toughness alone. But during the season, they, uh, they have improved. There is more fantasy uh, also on the pitch. And, and I think uh, a lot of the player you already med- uh, mentioned Philip uh, Kostic, are in top form right now. And yes, we have to take them very seriously uh, when it goes about um, uh, the places in the Champions League.
2: Yeah, and I think the same is true still of, of Leverkusen. Uh, they lost some ground in recent weeks, but they came back with a bit of a bang. Uh, 5-2 against high-flying VfB Stuttgart, uh, a very strong performance, certainly in the second half when he has got three goals. Um, Leverkusen, that kind of inconsistency is sort of baked into the team because they're good, but not quite as good as the Bayern and Leipzig. Or so can we somehow feel that there is going to be a bit more sustained brilliance um, this time around Demi Baez got two goals he looked very good Bailey has been uh, pretty effective in recent weeks the Murray Gray also with a goal in his uh, first game since moving from from Leicester that looks uh, quite promising so Leverkusen in another word can they find that bit of stability that they will probably have to develop or or find if they are to finish top four,
1: if if we would know that, and I think um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's something that uh, is giving uh, Peter Bosch a lot of sleepless nights because um, uh, what he, especially this year, uh, this calendar year, um, it was a a bit of a roller coaster ride with this team. Uh, very good performances. We've been talking about the match against uh, Borussia Dortmund, but uh, and then this match at Rot-Weiss Essen in the German Cup last week, where they went out in extra time against a team from the fourth fourth level of German football, uh, from the Regionalliga West, and uh, after yeah, being, it doesn't
2: get more more on brand Leverkusen than that. Really.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and uh, having twenty eight shots. Uh, during uh, the 120 minutes because it went to extra time. Uh, Leverkusen got 1-0 up and uh, even managed to, to lose it uh, 2-1. Uh, so they had 28 shots. They ha- hit the post four time and, and, uh, and so on. So, uh, yes, the factor of luck we've been talking about, I think it, it played a very important role. Uh, uh, in this match as well, but yeah, there. So, so I think also for this, with this uh, game in mind, everybody at Leverkusen was extremely happy that they were not only winning and playing well, but they that they scored five goals. I, I think. Uh, that will help them enormously in, in the weeks to come. But it's Leverkusen and you never know. You never
2: know indeed. Well, one of the biggest games that you mentioned before and one of the biggest results impacting both ends of the table was of course the derby in the Lower Rhine area between Borussia Gladbach, and Köln. And to the surprise of most people, perhaps even those well disposed towards Köln, Köln won 2-1 with Elvis Rechbekai scoring two goals for the Billy Goats. Borussia Mönchengladbach with a really painful defeat. A defeat that some people were quick to blame on Marco Rose's extensive rotation policy. Seven changes
1: from the cup game in midweek.
2: What went on there, Christoph?
1: It's interesting how... Angrily, a lot of uh, supporters of Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, reacted to this defeat. Okay, The first uh, reason is, yes, it's always bad to lose against Cologne if you're a Mönchengladbach supporter. It's even worse when you're losing a a Cologne team that is struggling as uh, this Cologne team does during uh, this season. I think there is a growing frustration in Mönchengladbach about uh, the coach. One, one reason is... Um uh, the 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 open question if will be the coach uh, next year or if he will move on to uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Max Eber, the uh, manager of uh, of the club, said afterwards still the chance is ninety eight percent that he will it used be
2: ninety nine percent. Yeah, it's dropped.
1: <laughs> it, it dropped one point. So we have to be very. So we have to listen between the lines. What happened uh, with this one percent? <laughs> But it's, it's it's like, it's a bit this, uh, I, uh, are we not good enough for you feeling? And, and then this rotation uh, didn't help at all. I, I think from a, a sporting point, you could understand it because they had a very tough uh, cup match uh, in the week at Stuttgart, where they were, win, were winning uh, 2-1 but that he was rotating uh, uh, so many key players of the team Jonas Hofmann uh, um, Christoph Kramer Alassane player, Markus Thuram and so on that uh, angered uh, the supporters so there is a bit of a toxic situation right now at at, at, at around the club Not necessarily in the club, uh, but around the club. And that's also a bit untypical for uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. So my advice, Marco Rose, you'd uh, better be very careful uh, in, in what you're saying and doing, uh, because a lot of uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach supporters are now after you. And if you look at Cologne, they come were coming back from a cup defeat at mighty. Jan Regensburg, uh, where they were uh, going out of the cup competition. And, uh, and and it was interesting that they managed to, to uh, turn it around with uh, using the means that they are having, uh, working aggressively against the ball, uh, managing or hindering um, Borussia Mönchengladbach to have uh, enough goal chances. So uh, a big, 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 big win for Cologne.
2: Yeah, no, I want to talk about Cologne a little bit more in a second, but just one more line on, on Rose. Max Eber made the point that there was no reason not to be open. They had a similar situation with Dieter Hacking leaving a couple of years ago, and they announced that very early and it didn't have a negative effect. I guess the difference then was that that was the club's decision <laughs> yeah. uh, to extend his contract. This time, it would be the cu- the coach walking away from the club. And I think, I suspect, that Marco Rosa finds it difficult to communicate that openly to his players at the same time as wanting to have the full commitment and the buy-in and the sense of you know trying everything. It doesn't quite fit uh, too well with the idea that he's off um, because Dortmund is, is a bigger job. Do you think'll we'll, we'll just see this kind of this funny dance little going on until the end of the season because I don't think there's any real doubt at this point that he is actually going to going to Dortmund. Um, it might not have been formally agreed, but anyone you ask um, sort of within football, seems to suggest that it is actually a done deal?
1: Uh, I, I think it's not a done deal. Um, I, I think he is probably uh, still undecided. And also, I, I mean, uh, it's, it, it's uh, perfectly clear that uh, Borussia Dortmund would like to sign him. And I guess uh, it's uh, they have also approached him. But what I've heard is that it's not a done deal uh, right now, but it's a very likely deal. To come, It would be good for everybody involved, especially Borussia Mönchengladbach and Marco Rose, if uh, this situation in this kind of limbo wouldn't go on and on. I think if he if he would say, yeah, um, I had two, two, two great years at uh, Mönchengladbach and now I move on, everybody would say, hmm, we're a bit sad, but that's how it is. And also how Max Eber said, they themselves paid him out at at salzburg when he when he came from there and uh, to to complain about some injustice if Borussia Dortmund does the same with him again uh, i i, um, I think uh, uh, wouldn't be fair and and he knows that and most people know that and and i thought would also uh, also think that his um, team his players uh, would uh, react very professionally, because um, um, they, they want to play international football again next season. They want to win the German Cup and they want to uh, go on in, in, in the Champions League. And, and so I, I think he wouldn't be a lame duck if he would say, I go to Borussia Dortmund.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: One, one coach who we thought was even beyond lame duck status, more, more towards lunch uh, being lunch or toast status, was uh, <laughs> was Marcus Gistel, But not only did he win the derby, but that win for Köln now puts four points between them and Arminia Bielefeld in the relegation playoff um, spot. Bielefeld, though, a game in hand because there was too much snow on Sunday at the Alm at their stadium against Verda, uh, They couldn't play. So a, st- a chance still for them to make up some ground. But it does feel a lot safer now for Köln, at least as automatic relegation is concerned. Did you see that kind of performance coming, Christoph? And is it enough, you think, for Markus Kistel now to be given the confidence and the trust until the end of the season? I ask because there was an interesting observation by Lotta Mateus, who I think had talked or had seen somebody talk to uh, Horst Held the sporting director and Held had made the point that in his judgment the relationship between Gisdol and the club and the team and his impact and his work methods were actually all pretty sound and uh, therefore Cohen didn't need to make that big change.
1: Uh, Gisto started the season uh, saying, not literally, but uh, I I won't uh, promise you a rose garden. Uh, We will have to fight against uh, relegation. We have limited means in a a way. And he he has been managing uh, the situation decently. I mean, it's not fun to watch uh, Cologne. But uh, again, it's it's not a rose garden, and it wasn't a rose garden to uh, to be um, expected. Now he is in a in a better position as if I would have expected Cologne to be at this time uh, of the season. So it's almost, it sounds, uh, it looks uh, almost impossible for them to go down uh, directly. They have a bit of a cushion, bit of distance to uh, to the um, relegation playoff plays. I think... Everybody in Cologne knew that the season would be uh, would be difficult, and um, so far, uh, Gistol has uh, done it uh, pretty okay. But uh, Cologne is a, a club with a bigger. Expectations and uh, and I think so. At the end of the season, when uh, a lot of contracts uh, will be finished, uh, I think Cologne needs to 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 change a bit or a bit more with their personnel. Um, to to develop in region, regions of the table where their supporters want to uh, see them.
2: Yeah, well, the only coach who could promise rose gardens was, of course, Hans Meyer, but uh, he's, not, <laughs> he's not involved. He actually
1: had a rose garden yeah, exactly. or, he, or he, he said to have a rose garden. I, I, I always doubted it, that he, he actually had it.
2: <laughs> well, it does look slightly more rosy uh, for Mainz because they did get all three points in in a big game um, at home to Union. Union showing a little bit signs of wear and tear perhaps not quite having the same energy, the same um, uh, thrust and cutting edge in recent games. And Mines doing just enough to get three points to at least keep the distance between them and safety in a probable Dimension. It's uh, still four points, but four points is not insurmountable. And suddenly the team that has to worry, apart from Schalke, who lost again, of course, and now on an eight points and look all but doomed. I'm sad to say 3-0 at home to Leipzig. don't think we have to say too much more not to rub it in. But Hertha, um, now you said this was a good Hertha. Yeah. That uh, lost at home to Bayern on Friday night, but... This good Hertha are on 17 points and in acute danger of relegation. I think they have a really, really tough fixture list coming up as well. They are away to Stuttgart, then they have Leipzig, then Wolfsburg, Augsburg. Okay, but then Dortmund, Leverkusen, Union and Gladbach.
1: Ouch. Ouch, yeah. But again, um, they looked uh, improved um, against um, Bayern. And with a with a little bit of luck and a, a bit more concentration, Mateusz kunja uh, two minutes from time, they, they could have uh, equalized even against Bayern. And um, it, what what what's the improvement uh, was is um, that Paul Dardai uh, managed to give them something like that, like looked like a re- uh, reliable structure. <laughs> so they were defensively very well organized and um i, I think that's the, the key quality of uh, paul darda's team that they are defensively very well organized i mean when he was hertha coach uh, uh, some years back um there were uh, that that was their trademark uh, sometimes it was <laughs> to be honest uh, almost impossible to watch because it was so boring but Indeed. now but now, with having much better players and giving them a, a, a structure on the field, I wouldn't be uh, too pessimistic that they uh, get them some points even in, in the weeks to come, even with this uh, uh, you mentioned them, very tough opponents.
2: Yeah, and they did create some chances. Uh, Bacchio had a really big one. Neuer saved well early on, Um, so it could have gone a different way, but I guess Bayern's win could also have been slightly more emphatic because they'd missed a penalty uh, when Robert Lewandowski, uh, very uncharacteristically, having his pen saved by Rune Rune Jastein, who'd come back in goal. Yeah, he was only
1: the second goalkeeper in the in, in the Bundesliga who managed to uh, to save a penalty from Lewandowski. The other that's one impressive. Who was the first one? Manuel Neuer. Well that's so
2: clever from Bayern to make sure that Neuer doesn't have to save any or <laughs> 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 well, the other round that Lewandowski will not come up against Neuer anymore. Bayern's win you said they were slightly improved. They weren't convincing. They did enough. It again felt like the sort of win that Bayern seemed to do better than others in getting because they're not at
1: their best. They're not really playing well, but they,
2: they find the win, which separates them from everyone else.
1: Yeah, that's it. I would agree that they were playing well, but they were also not playing badly. So it, it was a average, uh, decent Bayern performance without much, uh, that didn't impress. And uh, yeah, and um, they, they were they they could have scored one two goals more, but uh, as we said, they uh, also could have got the equalizer a few seconds or minutes uh, from from the end of the game. So, um, but they deserve to win it, uh, no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, and uh, that's how they do it. And and my my impression is this crisis. If it was a crisis uh, when they were losing, for example, in the German Cup at Kiel, is over, uh, and not not in great style, but um, they look uh, better organized in playing against the ball and um, very solid. And alone at the top, <laughs> they are uh, going towards the next German title,
2: and they're going to conquer the world. At least the Club World uh, Cup competition in Qatar, they're up against Al Ali of, I hope that's the right uh, pronunciation of Egypt in the semi-final on Monday night. But it wasn't that easy getting there. Um, They had done everything possible to make sure they can fly out directly after the game on Friday night from Berlin. Uh, The game was moved uh, thirty minutes forward. That left them with about 45 minutes to get on board and to fly off before midnight, because at midnight in Berlin, the ban kicks in. You're not allowed to fly between midnight and I think seven o'clock or something like that. Unfortunately for Bayern, when the pilot told the tower that he was ready for takeoff, the tower said, sorry, it's already three past midnight and you have to stay on the ground and you can fly at seven in the morning. So that's what they did. And Bayern, as you can imagine, not happy, (laughs) uh, not happy at all. And Cullen's Rummening even alleging a conspiracy, saying he had a feeling that someone, someone did not like them and was throwing Spanner in the works, not at the airport. They were very nice to them, but the people in charge of the air control of the regional state of Brandenburg. um, And that's why um, it's a big scandal. According to him, and <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I think little. they they uh, they they will bring it to, to a court of human rights violations. Uh, be, be, uh, so it, um, Bayern Munich made a lot of noise uh, about it um, uh, being treated uh, like that, and um, and and my impression, they made too much noise. I, I, I understand their frustration because uh, they, as you said, they were, as Bayern always is, perfectly well organized. Uh, they were rushing from the Olympia uh, Stadium to, to the airport. Um, uh, Hansi Flick's uh, press conference only lasted, I think, two minutes or so. Uh, so uh, they didn't lose any time. And the problem was, uh, you, you were mentioning the, the weather in uh, in Germany or especially in Berlin uh, so they they had to de the wings of the uh, of the airplane and um, and that uh, was a problem because it was a big airplane and it took t- too long and so if there is a conspiracy between uh, brandenburg and Egypt I don't know uh, to to help Al-Akhli, uh to <laughs> to to meet a Worn out uh, uh, opponent who had to sleep on and uh, on the uh, airplane, I think okay yeah they made a lot of it
2: I get the sense that you don't take this very seriously Christoph <laughs> I, I,
1: I I don't I, I mean I I don't want to joke a bit too much because if you if you put a lot of energy and in, in the organizing this and you, you said the the match was um, even moved uh, one hour a uh, half an hour earlier and so on so I think they really did everything they could but yeah it's it's just Just what uh, what can happen. And on the other hand side, if it's good for the people uh, living close to the airport, that there are no planes in the air after midnight because they have to sleep. So. um, um, maybe more, more people w- would have been woken up by a- another airplane uh, than the ones uh, who had to spend their night at the airport.
2: Yeah, that's a, a very uh, worthy consideration. I would just have two things to add. First of all, this would have never happened with Tegel. Yeah. Tegel, the old airport, much closer to the city center, closer to uh, the Olympia Stadium as well. This is the new airport, the BER, which has been how many years late? Is it five or six? I, rather seven. Seven. Seven years late. And I have some sympathy with Bayern's argument because if Berlin is, or, or I guess Brandenburg in this case, one thing they're not really famous for is adhering to the rules. <laughs> if it had happened in Bavaria, in Swabia, you'd think, okay, midnight is midnight. <laughs> but I think they expected the uh, much more relaxed attitude when it comes to authority, <laughs> when it comes to the rules in the uh, German capital to someone just go, yeah, you know what, it's just a couple of minutes past midnight. Off you go, Bayern, but not German punctuality. Was their undoing?
1: Maybe the brunnburg people uh, want to show the the others in Bavaria and in Swabia that they can be as Bavarian and Swabian as uh, anybody else. But but they shouldn't have made so much noise, wouldn't you agree? Oh, of course, I agree. I mean,
2: but making noise is Bayern's
1: <laughs> second name. Raison d'être, so. <laughs>
2: You're not going to stop them. Let's see if they can make some more positive noise when they return from their trip to the Gulf, maybe with a new shiny cup in tow. We'll have to see then. Uh, We'll check that out and everything else that goes on in the Bundesliga next week. Christoph will be back. I hope you'll be back as well, dear listener. Until then, take care of yourself.
1: The Athletic.